Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brew, and welcome to episode 107 of Beer Knowledge Podcast Adjunct Series. This is a fantastic one, guys. This is something different that we've been planning for, I want to say, uh, like four months. It was before we moved and everything kind of got uh, you know, thrown out of whack, but we finally made it happen. So you guys will be familiar with um, the two guests tonight. They've both been on the pod a bunch of times before. We'll talk about that where you can find more information, but Tonight, uh, if you want to learn something about craft beer, then you're in the right place. So I'm very excited to please welcome, guys, Max from Brasserie General and Noah from Beerism. In- <laughs> there they are. Everybody good? Yeah, yourself. Yeah. Might better to see, uh, better now I see your sexy faces. If I'm really honest. Well, they are beautiful. I'm not going to lie. They are. Um, guys, genuine pleasure. Um, we had an idea to do this pod back in probably, it was probably like June or something. Um, so it has been a while, but it's, uh, it's something that I've wanted to learn more about personally and something that you guys did a fantastic collab, um, which is hilarious that you did it right in the middle of the summer, like a, a big boozy stout collab. Um, I love it because everyone in Quebec doesn't give a fuck. They're drinking stouts year-round, mate. They're not scared. It's beautiful. Um, so we're definitely going to be – tonight we're going to be talking about the art of blending beer, which I would say we've touched on in the past, but we've never done a full episode just dedicated to it. And uh, obviously, Max at Brasserie General in Quebec City, um, or BG, I'm sorry now, uh, you guys have been have a uh, have had a barrel program for – Many years, I would probably imagine since the beginning. Would that be accurate? Yeah, almost. Uh, I think we, we began the you know uh, aged beer in, in oak barrels the, the second year of operation. So Jeez. maybe it's, it's doing like seven to eight years now. Damn, and I, I, I was not there, and the the, the guys at at BG were already doing it. Uh, so it's been it's been a while. Okay, so it's basically in the DNA of the brewery, essentially, to be uh, to be blending beer, um, and the stuff that you guys—I mean, Noah—would echo my sentiments, I imagine here. But I feel like you guys are doing some of the best um, blended beer in the province, if not the country, as far as whether it's the stouts or whether it's um, the sours or the saisons or farmhouse ales. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Noah. I just think you guys were the first people. Obviously, you did the collab with Noah, so that's why we wanted to talk to you specifically, Max, about it. But at the same token, I really feel like, you know, no biases. Obviously, we've worked with you guys a lot with a bunch of collabs that uh, sit proudly on the shelf behind me here. Um, So, I I don't know. Tell me what you think, Noah. Why why are BG so uh, killer at this stuff? What's going on? Yeah, I mean... There is, I think, a history of it in Quebec over the last like ten years or so, with Dunham doing their early barrel age blends and even like I think Oval blends and stuff. But um, I feel like where BG's kind of been nailing it for the last couple of years is um, creating these funk forward like 
balance, not overly acidic, like just well done um, blended sours. And uh, now more, they're playing with the the stouts and the different barrels, and you know that's kind of how blendism was was birthed. And uh, I don't know, everything I've had from you guys have been fantastic. So I was Love really it. excited to be a part of that. Very cool. Thanks. I'm uh, very keen to talk about that. There was one beer that we had, we actually had it uh, all together. I think it was from your anniversary. It would have either been last year or the year before called Calculon, um, which is exceptional. Yeah. And Max, you were just saying before, because I was like, should I go get the bottle to show it? Because I kept one because you told me to. And um, you were like, it's going for like, it's going bonkers on the trading market right now for that beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for us, the Calculon was the, the game changer. Uh, we were we were blending like a lot of uh, uh, a couple of beers before, but we we were more focused on uh, doing a beer and like multiple barrels of that beer and blending them together. But I think Alcalon was the first one that we decided to uh, ch- uh, we were cherry picking from different barrels to make the best blend possible, and it was a game changer for us. Uh, we we I think we launched the beer for our seventh anniversary uh, two years ago, and this one you know was marking like a change of image and a change of philosophy for us. So uh, it was a it's, a it's a really good beer, and we'll do it. We will be doing it again, but you know it takes time, and we don't have the the biggest barrelage program, so to reproduce the same beer. Uh, I will explain it later, but it's kind of hard to 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 do the beer like twice, like almost the same, uh, almost mm. the same beer. So interesting. Definitely want to get into that. That's that's fascinating. Um, so we should definitely get into the beers. We're going to be drinking two beers tonight because they're both large in size and in uh, alcohol volume. Um, we're not going to be going into BJ's history because we have done that before. So go check out the other episode to learn more about Max. It was uh, Max, Pierre, Hugo, Noah, and I did that chat. I think it would have been for the two-year anniversary. And then uh, Max, Tiff, and I chatted a few months ago uh, when uh, BG kicked off Link Up Series 3 with Defia Sour, um, which was great. So, you know, we've got a bunch of BG content on there. So if you want to learn more about the brewery, please go do that. And obviously, Noah's been on here 850 times. So uh, <laughs> definitely listen for him. So... Oh, uh, yes. What was the what was the link up collab again? Uh, it was or, a or yeah. Tell us about it, Max. I have it here. Yeah. It was a like a fruited sour, uh, fruited hoppy sour, uh, with okay. raspberries, um, uh, I think blackberries and marshmallow and blueberries, and, uh, that kind of stuff. Marshmallow uh, when, and lactose. When, no. When, when you when, when you read the description, you kind of. Uh, you kind of think that this beer is going to be like oh heavy or like crazy stuff, but it, it was actually well balanced. It worked out. So easy, easy drinking for the alcohol and all the stuff that were put into it, and a lot but of food the, and just the, the good amount of hops. And you know, I remember doing the podcast, and I think I had like three cans, and I was like, okay, <laughs> kind of feel it after after war, but you know, it, it was so easy drinking. It's dangerous. Uh, this way it was our version of the link up yes 7.7 percent noah so it's uh it was a big sour 7.7 yeah it was it was great uh it was perfect though because it was was in the realm of like uh half hours on earth kind of 
pastry sour thing. I can see that. That's a that's a fair comparison. Um, it didn't feel because like half hours always felt like zany and like whoa ridiculous. Like on mm-hmm. paper, this looks maybe more like that, but it, it really like it just worked. It was super smooth. It was more balanced. Very balanced, super balanced. Um, really smooth. Like on, like it looked like it could be a smoothie or something. It just really deep, kind of ready purple. Um, the the marshmallow just gave like a touch of vanilla, so it was nothing like super intense or anything. So I might turn, you know, people would be like, "What the fuck?" If they're not used to seeing pastry with sours or smoothies or whatever. But um, well, they were kind of like well, a short-lived thing. They're not quite as popular right now. Smoothie sours. Uh, I'd say like pastry. Oh, pastry sours. That's fair. Pastry sour. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have no, a it's not a critique or whatever. It's just a. It doesn't seem to be as popular as it was like last year or year before. That's I mean, fair. It sounds so much hyped. I mean, like pastry sours, yeah. two two hype style blend together. Uh, I had a couple good example of great beer, really. But uh, you know, it's kind of. I don't think that style will last very long or no, I, I think exactly. you just pass on the radar and that kind of yeah. stuff but yeah this um, year was the year of laggers so it sure was <laughs> god sure. damn it hopefully every year is the year of laggers um, but uh, we, should, we should talk about lager blending that would be interesting too so we're kicking off with this beautiful grisette called Clemence it is a, uh, a grisette with uh, clementines I believe uh, Max is that correct yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what does this word, polygraminé, what does that mean? <laughs> it's just, I, I like to, uh, to do the description of the product. And polygraminé is like just basically uh, multigrain. Multigrain? Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, multigrain, but it sounds so much fun. I mean, polygraminé is like just, it sounds great. So I just want to put it on the label. And I respect see it. People, people react. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I love it. Um, this is like a perfect I, one. Yeah, go, Max. Yeah, actually, I think you guys have the the the, the batch, uh, and I am drinking the, the the latest one because we we just uh, we did it again uh, like recently, like three weeks ago. Okay. We, uh, we put the Clemence B2 on sale. So, uh, th- this project it, it evolved uh, really fast. And I'm expecting a little, bit, a little bit more fruit in my glass than yours at this point. Because uh, the, the, the first batch was uh, launched, I think, in June or May. So, right. already, uh, already a couple months. But it's a fantastic um, beer. So, what does the from a from a, a flavor profile in the nose and in the the palate? What does the amarone lend to the, the beer? I, I'm not super familiar with that. With that, is is that an almond based liqueur amarone, or am I completely lost? No, amarone. I, uh, if I'm if I'm right, you know, I don't want to say something wrong, but. I think it's an Italian red wine, which is supposed to be more yeah. uh, sweet. But uh, our, the, the barrel we did get, we, we had we had flavors of the, the, the from the wood, from the, the, the freshly emptied uh, wine. But we, we didn't get 
much uh, like uh, a really an intense flavor. It was more like uh, more subtle, more fruity, more a bit like cherry or or um, I noticed some. Uh, I don't want to call it in English, but it's uh, it's lila. Uh, so some some flower. Um, oh, lilac, fresh lila. Yeah. So I'll see from the, the translation, but it's more like flower and cherry and oh, a little bit sweet. But the the the, the barrel we we work with, um, it's called Poncheo, and it's like twice and half the, the size of regular barrels so it's uh, it's like four uh, it's like five five hundred liters barrels so there there is less uh, wood contact and so it's it's more subtle than a smaller barrel where we get uh, a lot of wood contact and more intense flavor from the wood and from the, the previous liquid that were into the barrel. Hmm. Um, the the, the Clemence one is, is a blend of, it's a good example of what we, we want to do uh, a little bit more often right now. It's like blending uh, old and new beers together. Uh, because we, we, we are looking to get more complexity and uh, a, a really uh, like uh, thirst quenching like beer. So the grisette is the, the perfect example for uh, for yeah. that, uh, that type of exercise. And this one we, we just blend like uh, uh, like maybe ten percent of gin barrel age uh, beer, like fifty. Uh, 40 or 50 percent in uh, in Amaron, and we blend it and we back blend it with a fresh uh, fresh grisette that that was in stainless for three weeks so we just did the the beer the base beer and we put it on like on clementine so we just let it ride for a couple of days and so basically the beer uh the maximum age beer in, in this product was like six months this is the the gin one and the 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 amaran barrel age was like three months and then the fresh beer and then 10 days on on the clementine so 10 days okay what's the second one sorry the um what kind of barrels uh the main one is the the the, the amaran amaran uh Ama amaran yeah a M A R O N. I've never heard of that. Yeah, with an E at the end. Oh, it is. I was looking for it, but I couldn't see the thing. Amaron. Oh, Amaron. Okay, my bad. That's yeah. No, it's Amaron. Amaron. Yeah. Okay, with an E. Okay, cool, cool. And what is that? What is Amaron? Yeah, it's uh, an Italian rich red wine. Red wine. Um, this is uh, exceptional. Um, um, the the like I know you said yours is fruitier, but this is super fruity, man. This nose is crazy. Like it's so it's, intense. Uh, it's amazing. I love this beer. I was lucky enough to have a second bottle, <clears throat> and yeah, I'm assuming. How did you do the fruit edition? Was it 
was it skins and juice or just did you literally just throw them in there or chop them up and like, how did you do the fruit component? Yeah, uh, I think we just went to the Costco and we just bought a couple boxes. Uh, we we filled like two cars with the boxes of Clementine from the Costco and we That's just amazing. Uh, and our staff just split it in half, press the juice and then put it all together into a uh, a stainless, uh, you know, a stainless vessel that we use to uh, we use to blend our beer. So basically, just a square, like fermenter, with uh, with a screen uh, at the end, so Another we can one. put a lot of fruit. And with the screen, we just uh, we can extract the maximum of juice without putting out uh, like the, the whatever we put into it. So. We just awesome. did the, the blend into that that vessel, and then we add the fruit and let it ride for a couple of days. That's so. It cool. has that. It has this pithy tannic component. I was from, literally writing that word. But DNA. like, I'm sure that's coming from multiple points too, right? Like, the oak is going to have some tannins probably, um, and. Then you have the, the 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 clementines and the skins that just have that. It's not a. It's like I wouldn't call it a tartness, but yeah, I guess like a tartness that just like sucks the moisture out of your mouth. That like yes. lovely. It's uh, and, and the fact that it's not a particularly acidic. I love because I think that's to the point that you were trying to get to before was that you wanted to make something drinkable and thirst quenching and not. Uh, intensely acidic that you can't even drink it or you have to like sip on it all day like you could down this bottle pretty easily oh yeah I, I yeah i did it uh alone a couple times so a big bottle yeah. so it's not problem with that type of product it's so so easy going and, and sometimes you see those big bottles and you're scared i mean like oh shit I have to invite a friend or to share it or whatever. Yeah. But with this one, you know, <laughs> there's no worries that you can drink it alone. And, you know, it's, it's just like 4% alcohol and so, so easy going. So, yeah. Which is awesome. The, do you want to maybe give us some of the other tasting notes that uh, we're getting from this? And then, because that might give people a bit of an idea of like what, can come, like Noah was saying, from the different barrels and from different elements of this whole process, whether it's fruit or the bugs or whatever, and then we can get yeah. started on how blending works. So, yeah, maybe is there any other tasting notes that you're getting in this beer? Uh, in mine, uh, because it, it's fresher, so uh, the, uh, the, the yeast and, you know, uh, lactic bacterias uh, ain't got time to, to uh, you know, to... Um, to do some work into the bottle, so uh, mine is more fruity and more maybe maybe a little bit more sweet, because uh, from the version you guys have, uh, I drink one like uh, the, a month ago, and the fruit tend to like disappear a little bit, and tend to gain a little bit of acidity and more woody, <laughs> would uh, would have you know. Some woody notes, uh, but this one is really like zesty, fruity, a uh, low uh, with low acidity, and with uh, like a dry body. 
and the like the, the sugar uh, perception came from the from the fruit fruit note mm. and uh, maybe the 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 amaran and the well, the little part of gin barrel age that we put into the beer so it, it just tend to support and to uh, you know to extend the the, the fruit sensation on a light body and light flavors so it's 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 really easy is easy drinkable and it's also complex so this is what is so beautiful with you know with grisette uh, i mean it's a style that you know allows that to have a low alcohol beer a little bit of wood a little bit of acidity and whatever uh, aromas you get from it so those are such beautiful beers mm. Every time I have a grisette, I'm always like, really? man, I need to drink these more. I feel like they're like, there's like people who I noticed, you know, friends in Quebec we have who like always talk about grisettes. And I always like, you know, we always had the jokes the, about that and stuff. But every time I have a grisette, fuck, man, they're just so good. And, and I feel like I don't think I've had many grisettes with like fruit additions. I feel like it's not incredibly common. Would that be accurate? Uh, yeah, I think it's not really common, but most most of the time, I think it was with uh, cherries or that kind of stuff. But the one with, you know, why we decide to do with Clementine is just basically because uh, it's a, a wonderful fruit uh, when the season is right. And yeah. I, you know, I, I could just imagine that beer, and I was like. I have to do it, like do it, like Gisette with Clementine. It will be like wonderful, and yeah. it is wonderful. So uh, I really enjoy it because it's so so light. Yeah, man. it's interesting yeah. how like like clementines as a fruit have been had a, such an important part of my life. Like I don't know what's like in Australia, Craig, but mm. growing up here. Every Christmas, you, you know, it was the crates of the, the clementines, and you know, we always had them in the house, and you could just eat them like candy because you can have like three or four of them in a row, and it's, or you, or you brought them to school, and then your hands smell like this all day long, um, and so it's nice to have that in a beer because I don't think I've ever had a clementine beer, and I don't know why, it's tangerine everything, yeah, uh, but not uh, clementine. I think it's just I'm less common. Up. Like it's not a year-round fruit. Maybe that's why. No, exactly. Yeah, because the, like like Noah said, you know, the, there there's a season for for that fruit. Because if you bought it, like maybe in June, it will be like it will not taste good at all. It will taste like you know cardboard or something really not nice. But when the season is right, you know, it's, it's so oh, it's such a beautiful fruit. Uh, the aromas are really intense and, like you said, like candyish. Uh, it's oh, really good. So easy to peel. Yeah. It's just like but, it's like you can peel them baggy. in like one shot. Yeah, yeah. it's like ah, I rip yep. them up. Whereas like a mandarin, you're like ah, fuck, come here. Yeah, yeah, forget that. Uh, so what did you have? If you, what were you? If, if you Sorry. if you don't see it that often, it's because uh, most most of the fruit uh, that the brewery use are like. In, in a in form of puree, like free blended right. uh, fruit without anything, without the, the zest, without the, the, the seeds, without anything. It's just like 
purely. So uh, I think it's why it's not that common. Mm. But you know, we, we we just decide to go uh, like I said at Costco because we know that all year rounds those those clementines are really good. And we just decide to go there and buy full boxes. Yeah, they work beautiful, man. Um, yeah, this is yeah. a spectacular beer, and I'm glad to be uh, that we're doing this one tonight. So now we've sort of given you guys a bit of a picture of like this beer, which is like you said, you've done the second batch. So like. Max alluded to earlier, we will come back to we're recreating a barrel aged beer because that's fascinating to me. Um, let's go through the process of creating a barrel aged beer and specifically on the blending, which I guess is really what we're, we're going to be talking about here. Do you want to maybe talk us through the process of how it get you know like of how it gets to the point to when you blend? So, what are all the steps? You don't have to spend too long on it, but I imagine. Yeah, we just so people understand that how you know the way it gets to the blending point, and then we can go much more in depth about like the the approach, the different approaches to blending, you know, depending on what you want to actually achieve. Okay, uh, there, there's a lot to say about blending. Uh, I have to say that most information that I personally got are from books or discussion that I had with other brewers, and you know the best. The best people that are blending for years uh, are the, the the Belgian, the Belgian mm-hmm. goose producer and the the, uh, the goose blenders, and but goose is more like a, a, a wild beer, and I think the the Americans developed the the clean side of mm-hmm. barrel aging and blending with their stouts and scotch ale and uh, all that all, all that kind of stuff. So they became you know experts. Uh, in, into this because basically with the, the with the bourbon barrel that you know in the law of bourbon you can use only once uh, the the the, um, the the American oak for for the bourbon so the the bourbonry bourbon distillery had to dispense of, of their uh, their American oak barrels after a couple of years and uh, so the brewery just you know kept putting putting them into the brewery and putting beer into it and then, you know, become expert of, of, uh, of uh, barrel aging in, with the clean side. So I think if we are talking about barrel aging and blending, there, there, there is two sides. There is the, the, the wild side, which the Gigazette is on, and there is the clean side, which the blendism is on. Hmm. So when we're talking about um, the wild side is because uh, mostly there is some uh, Brettanomyces and Lactobacillus and Pitococcus into it, which are uh, considered as um, beer contaminants. So you don't you don't want those bacteria and yeast into normal beers like commercial beers or uh, an imperial style. You don't you basically don't want that kind of stuff, but Sometimes uh, together they are really doing uh, great flavors and really intense, uh, you know, acidity or complex beers. But those things takes uh, a lot of times. And when you do like uh, dark beers that you know are aged in in the, in the um, 
in spirits barrels like bourbon, whiskey, or rum, or gin, you, you don't want those bacteria at all because the beer would just get like a funky side or not not what you not, not what you want from them. Uh, and when we talk about blending, um, if I'm just focusing on the on the Clemence, uh, as I said, the maximum barrel aged beer that uh, we use into this one was the the gin uh, the gin gin barrel aged beer, which is like ten percent of the of the blend, and this one was aged for like six months, and it's it's not it's not that long. And most of the beer uh, that were aged in Amaron, uh, Amaron Ponchillon, um, you know, it, it stay in contact with the wood for three months. And so this is a pretty young blend because we do, uh, we do other blends that we had to, to sit, sit uh, we had, the beer had to sit there for like two years and a half and sometimes three three years, and we back blend it with a year and a half beer, and we put it into bottles, and we just forget it for like six to eight months, and then we, we put it on the market. So sometimes there are that type of product that it can take like three years to do, so, so you can drink it. So those are kind of two separate uh, two separate type of product. Even if both are wild, uh, you know, there there is one which is more, um, which is less complex and sometimes less intense, and got less um, barrel aging time too. And when you think about the clean side, you can do uh, you can forget your beer in bourbon barrel age and and in bourbon for like six to 12 months to uh, sometimes some brewery are doing like 36 months so three years basically mm. but the the most the most difficult thing that you you, um, you get with time is uh, how do you um, how do you keep you know the the barrel enough uh, you know intact because with time the wood just dry out and there are some crack that are just uh, there are some crack that just appears into the barrels and let the oxygen into the beer or anything that can go into the beer like basically bugs or that kind of stuff so you have to throw away that, that barrel because it dry out and mm. the beer is not enough or it develops like a, a soy sauce uh, taste so you, you don't want that so uh, even if you're doing uh, a clean, uh, clean barrel aged beer, or uh, like a, a wild one, you have to keep the the, the temperature at uh, at uh, you know uh, the, the the temperature constant, and you have to keep the humidity constant too. So this is why, like in wine, uh, when you see uh, uh, when you go to a, to a winery in France or in Italy or whatever. Most of the barrels are on the ground into into caves, and because uh, the, the temperature is steady and the humidity is steady right there, so the barrel just kept getting like uh, you know intact. So this is a short story of 
you know, barrel aging and you know, blending, and we could go uh, more into details. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking, so, okay, so when you're going to make a beer, whether it's something clean or wild, you're brewing a beer with the intention that it's going into barrels for some time. So you brew the beer. Now, first question would be, do you brew the beer differently? No, to say, say if you were making a grisette that was going to be just a clean grisette, no barrels, no bugs, nothing, just put it in a can or put it in a bottle and off it goes. Would you brew a, a beer intended for aging and then blending differently than you would for a beer that is not? Uh, yeah, for, for the grisette, I don't think uh, I'm doing, I'm not doing a different beer because uh, as as I told uh, I told you, you know the 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 wood contact is is much shorter, so the beer mm -hmm. will be probably the same beer but more complex, and which is fun with Gizet is that they are already dry, and you put like a commercial yeast and uh, lactobacillus into it, and you let them co-ferment together, and you just let them ride into the barrel for couple months uh, but you know in, in a short uh, short period of time so they, they they develop a certain complexity but not that much because uh, they basically did most of the work in in stainless steel so you know they, they did they did uh, more uh, you know more of the the, the, you know, the process in stainless the first three weeks and then after that the, the next three months will be you know more like uh, on a slow uh, slow scale with the wood contact and the oxygen but on the other on the other end if you brew like a, like a clean clean beer a big barrel age uh, imperial style double mash imperial style or or a past three one with lactose yeah you want to brew it like rougher because you know that it will spend six months into the barrels, uh, if not 12 or more. And the beer that you get, you know, in stainless, which is more rough and less, you know, less, let's say, clean, uh, will get clean in time, uh, in the time with, with the barrel, uh, with the time in, into the barrels. Like, you want to brew that beer knowing that you will get bourbon flavors and uh, American oak flavors and then some tannins. And so you brew the beer, you know, you taste it into the fermenter and you're like, okay, it's a bit rough, but you know, we'll see in 12 months. So you just put it in a barrel and then magic happens. I mean, if, if you brew a clean, a clean beer before the barrel age, it would just get intense or not not that rough uh, that much you know you won't appreciate it that much or it will lose complexity or it, it, it will just get you know it's like if the barrel is your friend or your enemy sometimes because if you, the beer is too clean before then the barrel will just uh, will just eat the beer and then you you will have a completely different beer at the end interesting 
Could you expand a little bit on, not too much, but what's the difference between brewing it rough and brewing it clean? Like, what does that mean? I mean, uh, it's just like you, personally, uh, in my own experience, I I like balanced beer. And right now, what we put into barrels uh, with with dark beers, like uh, Hobbes Porter or an Imperial Style, that kind of, kind of stuff tend to be more uh, more sugary more uh, more sometimes more bitter more alcoholic than before mm-hmm. uh, before we put it into the barrel and then it's getting uh, more complexity and more body and because before our philosophy was to do like the best all possible and then put it into barrel but if like I said if you get a, a well-balanced beer before putting it into barrel you know, it will get some more ingredient with time, like the tannins and like the spirits. And the, the when you work with with bourbon, like you want the, the you want the most uh, the most freshly emptied barrels because uh, this is where you get some flavors, uh, the, the more flavors. And if you get the more flavors, you get more alcohol into it, and then you lose some body. Uh, not somebody, but you lose <laughs> you lose body into the beer. So if you have a well balanced uh, the, the 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 right amount of sweetness into the beer, you would you would just lose that. The beer will will be drier at the finish, and more you will you know taste the tannin more and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. you want you want it a little bit more uh, overly sweet. To know that uh, when you know that in the end the beer will get, you know, uh, will be drier at the end. So again, it you want to, to take that before hmm. before the process. That's yeah. also so, why certain beers age better than others in your cellar. Like if you taste a beer and it's it's got like this killer body, it's a little bit sweet. And it's got like an intense bitterness. Mm-hmm. That's something you can sit on for a while because over time, those things a little will mellow. taper. And if the beer doesn't have enough of that, and then it ages, then you have this thin thing, and like it's just oxidized, or not even. If it just it's it's just a shadow of what it once was. Whereas, in if the beer is that intense to begin with. It, it can last forever. Like I don't know if you guys remember um, Dunham's Imperial Stout, like their, like the kind of, the one that they started with, and then they did all these variants. That beer was it poured out like motor oil. It was unbelievably bitter and and but like crazy body. And I've had that beer like four or five, six years old, and it it just gets better. Like it's amazing. Interesting. So then, for both of you, is like, is it a given that a barrel-aged beer, being that it's spent time, even though it's you know there's younger ones and older ones, you know, like you were saying, the wild is typically a bit shorter. Sometimes the stouts are a bit longer. Are they all inherently made for cellar aging after the fact, or is, are like, would there be cases where a beer like we're drinking now, like the um, like a, a grisette with fruit? Would this beer be made to be like, yeah, sit on that for another two years, it's going to be even better? Or like, is it, does it really depend? 
Like just because they've been in a barrel pen. doesn't mean, right? Yeah. Because I, I don't think this is going to get much better. It might get a little bit more funky, but like I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Max, but I feel like this is kind of what you want it to be. Yeah, exactly. And those beer are low, low ABVs too. So, right. uh, yeah. you know, alcohol is, is really important to, into the process of aging hmm. because there are some factors that if, if someone, you know, is putting his bottle on, on the conduct top and, you know, the sunlight just strike the bottle, you know, it will gain some weird taste. But uh, oxygen uh, have a lot to do into the the aging beer. So prior to the, the aging process, the brewery have to make sure that, you know, there, there is no oxygen that, that is introduced into the product because it will, like, decrease uh, really rapidly with, with time. Mm. But, uh, you know... There are some styles that, you know, support the aging, like, really well. So big multi-beers, uh, which are less uh, sensitive to, uh, to the oxygen. Uh, and they, they tend to gain some complexity, even if there is a low uh, low percentage of oxygen into it, So which we call madarisation. Uh, so it's like the, 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 the fruity notes that, that develop with time. And the, the, the beer is gaining like caramel toffee side. So this is a, a little bit uh, oxidation with time. Ooh. And, you know, for, for those, uh, ex an example for the, the style that Noah mentioned before, uh, I remember uh, I had a few ones and they were pretty uh, like bitter and like, like mm -hmm. when they, they are young, it's like, it's, it's rough. I mean, it's, <laughs> I like my style, but you know, not that, not that rough. But I, I have, I have no doubt that you know, with time, you get, you get more complexity, more, like, more sugary side that came backward, and and then the the bitterness tend to you know uh, decrease a little bit. So you get, mm -hmm. I mean, those beer must be wonderful. Mm. But yeah, but when we're talking about aging, uh, if it got fruits. You know, you have to drink it, my thing, yeah. between, uh, within like 24 months, of course. Okay. Uh, even even the, the Lambic producers, uh, which are doing like really fruity beers, like the, the, the Creek and uh, the, the kind of stuff with like uh, 400 uh, gram per liters of cherries or raspberries or whatever, uh, they, they told you like, if you will, we put fruit because we want it to taste fruit. So drink it within 24 months because otherwise it will become like lambic because mm -hmm. the beer evolved all the bacteria and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of them survive through, through the time and, you know, they just continue to eat whatever they got. So the fruit is like the most uh, reliable food. So uh, if you, you've got a, a fruit beer, drink it within a year or two, I think, maximum. Mm. And, you know, uh, pastry style, I don't think they age really well. Mm. I think they should be, like, uh, considered the, the equivalent of fruit beers or even the IPAs of uh, barrel-aging beers because when you put a lot of coconut and nuts and that kind of stuff into the beer, you know, 
those are the kind of ingredients that do not tolerate the, the, the oxygen with time and they just tend to get weird, mm. like mm. wrenching mm. your buttery or that kind of flavor that you don't want it to your beer. Mm. But, yeah, yeah but, or they go away entirely and you kind of lose the whole point of them being there to begin with. They fade fast, I find, like hops almost, like... Yeah. But like macadamia nuts, like if it's fresh, fresh, you get that. And then over time, it just starts fading away. Mm. What about coffee stouts? Oh, that's coffee. a whole other conversation. Mm. Yeah. I think coffee is a word <laughs> apart. I mean, like the, the different, you know, different grain, different torrefaction. I mean, even, but, but coffee is not, it's not that much of a nutriment, but, you know, I think it aged really well. So in the period style grew with coffee and even with vanilla, without lactose or that kind of stuff, it, it must age really well. Right. Okay, another question on that. I know we're supposed to be talking about blending, but the barrel aging is a good like segue into it. Um, if you guys want to bend the stove? We can do it whenever yeah. you want. Whenever you want to get into it, fellas. Amazing. You want to do it now? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I, yeah, I just... Uh, I'm here for it. You guys are. Coming back. Um, oh, Max will go get it. So, a question then. Yeah, no, I'll wait with you. Um, the, what was I going to say? The fucking, so does, say if it's a bourbon barrel, because I'm thinking of like, say, Peche or something, right? Like, I was texting you maybe like two weeks ago. I had a Peche bourbon barrel aged one, and I was like, Jesus. And it was from last year. It wasn't super old. But I was like, this is brilliant. It's kind of perfect. Like with, an, like, like, with like one extra year on it or two extra years, that's like, prime like money so yeah. when you guys were talking about i have the lot like the sec this year's third moon um they about they did a bunch of they hit three barrel aids like pastry stouts essentially one was a coffee one but the other two were pastry and they're wax like sealed each piece with coffee and they did like a nutella bestowed and a birthday yeah. cake bestowed barrel aid bourbon barrel age does a bourbon barrel age uh offset the limits placed on it by adjunct, say for a pastry stout or a coffee stout. So say if coffee would drop, I know Max, you said different depends on the bean or, or, or the roast and all this type of shit. Um, you know, a pastry stout, like Noah, you were saying the, the macadamia or the coconut and all the different things can either disappear or taste weird. Does the bourbon barrel specifically offset those drops? Like can it last longer because it's, um, bourbon barrel aids as opposed to uh if it was just a regular pastry stout and you just let it sit for a year or whatever the fuck and, and kind of ruined it i don't know what e for either of you guys i um i feel like a, a while ago i would have thought i had an answer for that but i feel like my answer to that has changed because I've had a lot of Third Moon pastries, uh, and they're fine, but then the barrel-aged stuff is on a whole other level, and like I was kind of under the impression that they were almost just like brewing a different beer for the barrels, but maybe they were, I don't know. But then also, with BG, I remember having... You have the, the, the one that's hazelnut. What What's that one, Max? In can or in bottles? In can? Bottles. Oh. Well, 
Hazelnut. Your Nutella, the the one that that has, it's like a Nutella toast. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one is uh, it's called Delicescence. Uh, it's a collaboration yes. with, uh, with 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 Sempeche. Uh, so I remember we, we we did a you know we did the barrel age one, you know that you know that, that came up. Uh, I think it's, it was in June. We we launched beer in June. But uh, this one was really different from the, from the can uh, version. Okay, so you brewed it differently for the no, barrel. No, no. I think the, the, the base beer was the same. And okay. we did... So we, the barrel we did, we did the, Yeah, we did the barrel aging, and then we added the, the adjuncts to it. Because, okay. Uh, That's uh, interesting. I am personally... A bit, you know, worried about uh, putting the beer with, like, uh, you know, with hazelnut and uh, coconut and yeah. whatever into it, and then put it into barrel for like, um, for like six to twelve months. I mean, to me, it just mean like oxidation. But uh, this is this is me as brewer, and people can, you know, no, but it totally makes sense. Have, Different takes on because, that. Like, and even even if there if if the the adjunct didn't oxidize and get weird, it, it at the very least it would just not be that uh, not be very apparent anymore. Especially like coconut or nuts or whatever, because like those flavors just fade away. So yeah, it totally makes sense to do it at the end. I didn't. That makes yeah. I get it now. Yeah, but you know some, some breweries. Uh, I mean, we uh, we we plan on doing it, and we we haven't do it, done it yet. But you know, to control the temperature and the the humidity. I mean, if I'm a brewer and I control all those factors, uh, I mean, maybe I will care less to let you know the coconut for like six months into the barrel. But you know, uh, I have more. Um, uh, fluctuation of temperature into the you know our room where we put the barrels. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is why mostly I'm not you know uh, I'm not putting things into the barrels uh, because uh, I was talking earlier about you know the, the the barrels that dry out and so there's oxygen that can get into the product and to uh, you know to to compensate. Uh, you know, uh, to prevent that, we, we put younger beer into the barrels. So the barrels are always like full and full of liquid. So it prevents uh, the barrel from, from drying out. Mm -hmm. But uh, some, some breweries that controls, you know, the, 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 the whole room, you know, the beer will, will evaporate. Never. But the, the humidity outside is at a perfect point. So the barrel don't dry out. So it's it's really funny because the beer will will like evaporate and will condensate a little bit but the barrel will not dry out so this is why the, that type of brewery can let their barrel for like 24 24 months to 26 months and they they get a lot of you know complexity for that and this is why you know I can't do that because uh, I, I do not control uh, perfectly, you know, the, the temperature or the humidity, so I have to 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 have a different approach on that. And on uh, on the wild side, it's it's less uh, uh, to to me it's less 
important uh, if you know I'm topping off my my barrels because I always kept them full, so I prevent you know them from drying drying out, and I just put some younger nutrients to the beer, so it's like it's like continuously like uh, it's getting nutrients, so the beer evolves, and I like it like that. Hmm. That's fascinating. For the barrel aging with ingredients, uh, no, I haven't. I, I haven't tried it, and uh, I won't try it until I control uh, all the aspects. Amazing! I love that. That's fascinating, man. Yeah, step away two seconds. Yeah, man, you're good. Um, look, you look at my wires. I love your wires. Um, okay, that's that's very very cool, Max. I feel like we've talked to uh, like. I feel like the barrel aging part of it was actually a pretty important part of this conversation then because it's like the precursor to all of the blends and all of the things we've been talking about, I guess, if those things weren't considered such as brewing the beer rough because if you you don't, you do it too nice, then it's not going to age well. Um, You know, making sure that you don't, you put the adjuncts in later, like all of these things impact the next step which is the actual blending um it's this is really really fascinating um so the beer we're about to drink now is the collab uh the reason why this podcast came about was a collab between noah and uh so beerism and uh, bg called blendism um we can wait till noah comes back to talk about it but this is a pretty intense beer this is uh 11 it's a uh, a big I've got the English version here. Um, this is probably the first time you've ever had an English description on the can, on the, on the label, or have you done that before? Yeah, and this one's pretty fun because, uh, you know, it was a, a mistake, like the description. You know, I uh, the whole thing, the whole point was like to let Noah describe the beer and to do like a, a really short French version, like saying like, uh, oh, it's all English. Barrel aged style blending beer, and like <laughs> maybe laughing of Noah on, on, on the way because you know, it, yeah, this guy has you know so much words to put to like aromas and the, when he described a beer. And I was, I wanted to, to maybe make it make a joke about that, but you know, it didn't came up like on the label because. The discussion was like too long, <laughs> so this is why I let you know the, the whole description really in English to take the place of the blendism, and uh, I just want to, to make it uh, to make a short French version. But uh, there was you know, no room. I I, I, I didn't. Are you talking about the label? <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about the description, how I let you, you know, describe the beer. And I just want to do like uh, one sentence in French that said like bourbon barrel age stout. <laughs> just, just, just for a laugh. And, but I didn't have space. So it's just an English version. <laughs> it's even funnier. I was so surprised you did that, but uh, I love it. Thank you. It's uh, it's classic. I thought the top part was uh, French, so I just read the bottom part, and then as Max was talking about, it's like, oh shit! Like it, the whole thing's in English. That's the whole hilarious. thing is just. Yeah. 
like technically if you were selling that in the uh did you did it get distribute uh distribution at all or was it um uh i think it get a little Some bit store. of distribution okay yeah like a couple, was that like uh, an app? couple couple of stores we, we like to do that we like to do uh, to sell it you know on site uh most of uh, most of the beer and then uh, with you know the the uh, our partner, our best partners, we we, we just offer them uh, a box if they want, and I think this one like got like was di- distributed in like twenty different places, but that was it. They they all all get like one box, and, and that's like, it. Just like like uh, like we said, thank you, thank you for uh, supporting uh, supporting us all uh, all year round. So it's a box of uh, of case of. Our, Okay. I, uh, the, I have an idea for you, man. I mean, for the next podcast, maybe you could uh, do a whole session about the day waxing a beer. Like, let's do it. To use. <laughs> I mean, oh, no shit. Got, they, they, everybody this got is what I'm going to use. Different technique. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> All right. Relax. Relax, dab man. Noah's been just lighting up nails. That's what he's up to. Cheers. Look, okay. Yes. Cheers. Got the uh, official glassware there. Oh. You know the vibes, Mr. Forrest. Cheers, Cheers, boys. Oof. His nose is straight bourbon and dark chocolate. Have you had this before, Craig? Yeah. So you uh, remember we met up uh, at... um, Oh, right. What was the place called? Fuck, you know what I'm talking about. We went to Belgao for that uh, event. Oh, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you linked me a bottle, and I wanted to make sure I reviewed it while it was still um, around. Mm. And then we did it for this. So I have had this before. I, I drank it on my non-drinking nights on Wednesdays where I only drink big beers. <laughs> um, I probably won't drink all of this tonight. I got a little stopper. I'm going to finish this tomorrow. But um, So j- just to exactly explain what this one is, and then I think now we'll get into the blending side. So this beer, according to this, and you guys can elaborate from here. So it's a, uh, a amalgamation of rich dark beers with a big lactose infused, infused imperial stout aged for 10 months in Jim Beam bourbon barrels alongside a double mash imperial stout aged for six months in Widow Jane bourbon barrels. So that's what this is. Um, I'd love to hear what you like a bit more about it. And in... Like considering what what Max you just said before about like the the other adjuncts that you put it in after, the lactose was already in the beer before it went into the bourbon barrels. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because lactose um, is like the only maybe adjunct or ingredient that we put into the the the, the first day of the brew. Like, okay. Because it's part of it's part of the beer. And whenever, whenever we are talking about vanilla, cacao, uh, coffee, or whatever, mm. uh, we we do put it, uh, you know, later in the process. Maybe coffee is the only one that we are playing both sides, but uh, all the other ingredients goes further into the process. Gotcha. So the the blend the blendism one is like really just like beer and bourbon. This is what what the idea was was about like doing a, mm-hmm. a rich uh, a rich beer like a rich clean beer without anything else just trying to find out 
uh, the best, you know, the best, uh, the, the more, uh, the more complex notes that we could find uh, at this time in, in the in the share. And the, the session was pretty fun. So uh, maybe Noah, you, you can talk more about your experience. But blending is is like this. This is what we are doing, like for for sour beers, for clean beers. Uh, this is what we are doing. Like so, it was, uh, yeah. it was a super fun exercise, and like puts your it, it puts your palate and your mind to like this weird test where it, it's hard enough sometimes tasting multiple things that are similar and then being able to decipher between how much you like or dislike certain aspects but also by tasting them back to back it starts fucking with you as well and so Max we well so we were, we were in the the barrel room and Max is like spider-manning it up oh, like along the fucking thing and he was like on ladders and he had, and we just taking like barrel after barrel so I don't know correct me if I'm wrong Max but I think you know if you count each of us having a glass, we must have had a tray of like 40 or I think it was like 20, yeah, 30 almost 30. Um, so yeah, That's like 15 lot. different barrels. Some of the barrels were the literally the same beer uh, and the same spirit. And then some things were drastically different and in different ages and stuff. And it was really interesting to kind of see how the same beer in the same spirit put into two different barrels can become something different. Mm. Um, meaning like it's the, it's like the same, like, let's say, I don't know, Jim beam barrel from the same year, but like times two, the exact same beer goes in at the exact same time, but then they come out different. Um, mm. It just kind of shows the, I don't know the art of it, I guess, or the, 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 the nature behind it a little bit that it's like kind of mystical, mm. but the process was fun. And so we had all these glasses in front of us and yeah, I think originally Max, we were, you know, in my head, we were going to be blending like, I don't know, three or four, maybe even five different things to kind of create some mega beautiful blend. But in the end, there was really two standouts and then when those two standouts were mixed together it was just like perfection and then every time we added anything else to it it was still interesting but less interesting than just of what those two uh, barrels did so that's why in the end we just ended up blending those two because it was just the the best possible beer we could have come up with, and and I thought that was really cool, Max, because I thought part of you would have been like, no, no, let's let's use some of the the other ones to like make a larger volume, but you were like so down with like, nope, this is the the best combination. These two barrels, this is what we're doing, and like, uh, it was cool. Interesting. Two questions: Did you have a goal in mind when you started? blending did you have like obviously you knew you were doing a a barrel age imperial stout right like that you were going to blend uh did you have a there's a spider making a web i'm in a basement in my basement now and it's like 
fast. I'm just seeing it like drape, drape across. I'm going to kill the motherfucker right after this, but Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Relax. Um, the... Do, well, for, you're I, I don't, monster spiders where you live, so like... Yeah, this is like... A joke. But I do feel bad now. Like, I know he's he's working, right? He's like making a little thing, but it yeah, pissed me off. It's, leave him be, man. Well, it's in my set, and he's making it go down deep. Look how far down he's going. What are you doing, bro? Fuck. So... <laughs> It's unacceptable. Um, it's blocking the Yeezys, man. Like shit. So the okay, it's it's, un, it's unacceptable, Noah. So did you have a goal, as in like we want to achieve this, or was it just like um, we want to do a stout? And then secondly, oh, what was that? The spider distracted me. And maybe let, let's hit that one. Like, did you when when you're tasting? Because I guess if you don't have a goal and you're just fucking throwing things together, it's probably a little bit tough to kind of like come to a decision if you don't have like we want something that's as close to x you know what i'm saying uh, how did that go i think we we took it pretty um loosely and that like we had we had conversations about what, you know what possibilities were like let's do a collab with i don't know just making like a, a regular beer or some kind of blend and then I think scheduling wise, it made more sense to do a big stout or barley one, like that kind of thing. Um, so we decided on that, and I don't think we talked about it too too much. Aside, like I think we both kind of knew like there are a bunch of dark beers, high high ABV dark beers, and different types of spirits. Let's get together and make something great out of those. So that was like. So it was just something great. That was all, all what yeah. it was. Like it wasn't like we want the Jim Bean bourbon barrel. We wanted the lactose one. We wanted the double mash one. It was like, I don't know. Here's and Max, you just took fifteen different barrels and we're like, let's see what we like. Was it as simple as that? And it was a bit more open ended. Yeah, I think it's like when you you open up the fridge and you're like, okay, I have to make dinner, so what, what do I got? Like, yeah, uh, basically the same exercise. That was uh, was kind of like, yeah, like, I was like, okay, so for me it was like a session where I could, you know, just uh, see where, where, you know, taste where the barrels were at. So it was an exercise of like tasting the whole dark side of the of the the barrel the barrel room and try to make the best dark beer possible uh, if we had to put like porter into that beer we we will have put porter into that beer so the the we just want to, to do the best dark beer possible at the moment and this is this is what we got like there 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 were clearly some barrels that were meant to, to end up together at this time into the, the barrel room and those are the two barrels that we used to because we try as Noah said before we try with uh, different blends I think like f five different blends from yeah. the, the, the best beer we find out and with uh, with like different percentage and uh, sometimes it's, it's like, okay, let's use uh, 40% of that one, 40% of that one, then 10% uh, uh, of this one and 10% of, of this one. Uh, okay, let's just uh, do 20% of this one. And then with the two others, uh, we just end up like blending 
two barrels together, 50-50, and it was like the best band we got at the moment because that was my other question. 50-50, okay. Yeah, but sometimes you just sometimes you just put like 10% of another barrel into the, 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 the blend and it just changed the perception of the you know the the the, the like the fruity note that you get or the the the, the rose side or the, the the you know when you taste like hazelnut some, somewhere and you just have the ten percent of this one the hazelnut side just disappear and you're like okay wh- where did it go like I just mm. had ten percent of another beer into it and it just disappeared so it's all about you know um, threshold uh, because we all get thresholds and then all the flavors that get into beers uh, have thresholds and sometimes you just deal with with some things that ain't got that flavor and it just disappears or transform it to another um, another aroma so Hmm. this is the the whole exercise we we did Mm -hmm. and we we end up with like classic I mean like 50-50 but it was good Really good. So, yeah. so like, I love that though. I love that that's what it came down to for you guys was the simplicity. So, I, I, like, in the interest of the nature of what we're trying to get down to here, so like, what does it physically look like? So, you've got 15 glasses. Do you have like one empty glass and you're like, all right, I take glass number one, I take a little bit, and I take glass number two, and I take a little Like, what's that? Pro- or do you sip each one and be like, all right, well, number one is sweet, and number two is really bitter, and number three is this, and blah, blah, blah. Then you might be like, well, what if we met, mix number four and number 17? Like, like, how did that, how does it, like, actually, like, physically work in the time when you guys are I sitting at the table? I think you actually just kind of nailed it. Really? <laughs> I'm just, I've never seen honest. it, but okay. I know, I mean, that's like, no, I mean, it was a little bit more structured because Max done it a few more times, uh, many more times than me. But it, it, I think we definitely tasted everything. And then I'm trying to get to like an overview of like, all right, this is what we yeah, have. I, be- I believe so. Yeah, no, of course. And then and then it was just kind of like subtle mixing, having discussion, right? Like, oh, number two and number four, those were special but what about number five you know like just talking about it because you can't just do an endless stream of blend that was what i was thinking yeah you you can't attack it mathematically you have to attack it by like oh i like this or i don't like this okay so if you you blends until you find okay so then if if either of you guys were like number five is i i I don't like number five so then do you just like take that out boom that's gone is is it kind of because you're just trying to like cut it out. You, you 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 obviously don't want to be there for seven hours trying to get to a blend, so you're going to have to be a bit ruthless. Which is why I was asking before about what's the end goal, because it would help you rather than just see what's what you like. I imagine that it would. I mean, yeah, but I do get it too. But either way, like cutting it out and then coming back to all right, cool. Well, we both really love number two right here. This is, and you know, say like the Jim Beam one, you're just like, ah, oh, it's just obviously we want that barrel age, that bourbon character. I know something that's important to Noah and that's really true to you and your brand. And then, uh, and also the lactose, which is obviously very important to Noah, loves lactose, team lactose all day, 2017, you know the vibes. Um, and then, 
you know, and then like sort of blending. So like, I, I'm just trying to picture the experience and trying to walk people through what the average, you know, general um, blending procedure would look like. Um, yeah. Is there any more context or anything else? Like, did you just sort of like, well, we only like those two. Cause like, say if you picked five that you lacked, how do you know what ratios to do them in? Do you just put equal amounts of each in a glass and then see how that goes? You're like, you know what? Let's put 10% of this. Like, how, how does that even go? Because that just seems like it can get very complicated. Well, yeah, Max, I, uh, think, I think we, we, did, uh, we did two tasks uh, in the one session. I mean, uh, mo most of the time I will have, you know, taste the, uh, the, the whole uh, barrel, you know, a barrel room like a month ago or two weeks before the, the session. So uh, we will have you no know, discard easily some barrels and then focus on like uh, forty percent of the barrels. Uh, but at this time, I think we, we just do both in the same session for the the, the blendism. Uh, but and it was pretty pretty easy for us because uh, we, you know we we just when, when you taste the barrel, you just go direct to the point like. Medium body, light body, like full tannin, uh, full alcohol, like fruity notes, uh, intense uh, nutty notes. Uh, you just write it like in, in into a sentence, and then after you you pass all those barrels, you just come back to okay, yeah, I did appreciate the the one seventy three and the one seventy four. Okay, the, this one is the one uh, the barrel 174 is made with Jim Beam, and the 173 is like made with uh, Widow Jane. And you're like, okay, uh, I like the body of this one, I like the aromas of this one. So mm. you just try something from it. I mean, you you, you try to, um, to 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 imagine the beer and from the notes, and then you have something to start with because. Uh, you could go crazy, like, uh, at first, like, uh, okay, I could do, like, 30% of this one, 25% uh, 20, uh, of this one, and then uh, and, and then end up with, like, four different barrels. But uh, this is not how you you start, I think. I think you start, like, simple, and then you, ha you add complexity to it, if you want. Ooh. So, like, it's almost like better Did to start with. Yeah, go on, Noah, sorry. No, sorry. I was just gonna say, like, and one thing, and 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 actually, you have a lot of experience with this, Craig, in terms of like tasting a bunch of stuff can be really humbling sometimes because really the you know, like if 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 you if you just get one beer put in front of you, you can be like, I very much enjoy that, or I very much don't enjoy that, or whatever. But when you have all a bunch of things in front of you that are similar, and you're comparing you start like questioning your own thought process like so it can get really intimidating at times and humbling mm -hmm. but i think we were both like for me it was very clear the ones that made sense and some of them i think we both even agreed like who knows what what's going to happen to this barrel but many of them were still good they just weren't either ready yet or you know let's like kind of like let's see where they evolve to over time mm. but there was just two that really just hit it and 
in terms of like what, what this beer actually tastes like, uh, yeah, what I liked about, about it, it yeah, it's, it's it's continuing to evolve uh, a lot. It's I feel I feel like it's it's a different beer almost now to a certain degree, hmm. not like in a bad way, but it's just I feel like it keeps changing. But I remember even in the moment, one thing that I appreciated about it is that it almost felt like it was like marrying a few different. Um, styles of barrel aged stout in the in the sense that like it has like a a slight bourbon county thing which is that like old school super rich bourbon barrel aged imperial imperial stout but then it has like that double mash component contemporary thing with the lactose that has that like <clears throat> slight slight pastry thing but not really mm. and then um, I feel like I, I think it's the Jim Bean it lends this like spicy bourbon note that's a bit different than that like classic chocolatey vanilla thing. Um, so it's like I feel like it's a bit Frankenstein-y and uh, in a good way. Uh, hmm. It's like hits different time periods a little bit. Hmm. That's a cool description. It's uh, we grew up. I don't want to say growing up, that's a weird thing to say, drinking Jim Beam. Like my parents drank it that when I first started drinking, that's what we were drinking. Um, it was like Jim Beam and Coke was like the shit back in my day. So I was, I'm always happy to see that. I don't know why, just for like a throwback, but I never really like, I don't drink it. I don't really drink liquor much. So like I didn't, I, I put that together. So it was really cool to hear that, Noah, like the, the, the element specific element of Jim Beam that is different to, you know, obviously a lot of uh, bourbon barrel aged stouts are like Heaven Hill or something like that. Like, you know, Jim Beam isn't something I see a lot. So I, I thought that was a really cool, unique thing. Um, the, this beer is, I can see what you mean. It's got a bit of the, like the, the lactose is definitely the new, but it's not like a new school thing, but it's not very, it's not like overly sweet or anything. Um, it's surprisingly no. and dangerously drinkable for eleven percent. Um, the the nose is that beautiful chocolatey, like bourbony, warming, boozy thing. It's not too much, but it's it's. I think you guys really nailed it. Um, I did want to see. So you you mentioned that there was always these two barrels that you kept coming back to. Is that? I mean, maybe Noah, you might not have as many thoughts on this, but. Like, is that a normal thing? So you're doing a blending session. Is there usually something that stands out that it's usually like, oh, well, this is what I'm looking for right now. Like, is it pretty obvious? Or do you sometimes, are there sessions where you're like, oh, fuck, like, I don't even know what to do here. I think I'm going to have to just leave it for now and come back in a month or something. Like, is there, a, is there any commonalities between anything like that? Uh, most of the time we know... Um we try to, to keep track of the time to know where we are at. So um, a tasting session must be like every, every two months or three months. Okay. And then you, you do it and you know, okay, this one, you know, is almost there or this one is right there. So we, we had to Use pull, pull, uh, put it out of the barrels uh, the next month or the next two months because we don't want to gain more more complexity or more uh, more tannins or that kind of stuff so uh, when we do tasting session we do it um, once every like two or three months hmm. because 
it's not that that stressful, you know. Uh, but you have to keep track of of the time, and most most of the time we did we did taste in our session like young barrels that uh, I I would not have really taste, but it was a good example of like fresh beer that that is that's set into the barrel for like two months. And those those beer base beers were really like fresh and rough. So you know that you won't get much of, of the barrels because um the, the the beer was just there for like two months and you know you don't you don't really waste your time tasting it because uh, you you won't get you know much complexity from from the wood and from the the bourbon barrel, mm. but when when you you start being at the peak of like uh, five to six months, you you're gaining interest into your barrel. Like okay, maybe I I will taste it and you know uh, to know where we are at. Like is is the, the type of barrel that I will let it for like six other months or is it ready in like one or two months i think Mm. sometimes a possibility so this is why you you want to to keep uh, keep track of 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 kind of a timeline and we are talking about uh, about clean beer right now because if we we take the if we take the, the the wild beers uh, within six months, if it's something like uh, you, you guys, uh, you guys have a t- we talked about Chifredor uh, earlier. Mm. Uh, this beer, uh, this that beer has been like two years and a half uh, before being bottled and sit there for like six months. And if I taste the the base beer for like the, the first eighteen months, it tastes like shit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Really, sometimes it tastes like rubber, like band-aid, like kind of stuff. But you know, that's sulfur, this, I this guess. Part. Yeah, but this is kind of part of the process. This is where mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 wild side is more complex and, and and take a lot of a lot of time because you have a lot of bacteria and one. Uh, one of uh, the, the yeast, uh, the wild yeast or the bacteria take a nutriment and then eat it and then produce something that t- tastes like rubber. So it, tastes, it doesn't taste good at, at six months or like 12 months. And then after that, there's other bacteria that just eat it right away and it tastes like pineapple right now. So this is kind of funky because uh, this kind of nice. symbiose takes it really takes a lot of time and this one took like basically two years to to start being really interesting mm. so we just let it ride we know that we knew that we we could have something uh something interesting from it but the first 12 months were really not interesting at all and <laughs> sometimes you taste it and you're like oh shit why am i doing it because this is <laughs> awful man <laughs> And sometimes you just you, you just smell it and you're like, okay, no, uh, I don't taste it or did it right a little bit. <laughs> but for, for for the for the clean beers, it doesn't happen if because if it's not appealing, when you you smell it the first month, you, you you've got a problem right away. Okay. But uh, the, the 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 biggest problem you can have is like 
uh, even if the beer is not good or infected, you will know it, or the beer will not, you know, will not be ready. You know, you, you won't get much from the barrel, and then you just let it right into the barrel for a couple of months in the hope for a, uh, for a biggest flavor the next time you taste it. And hmm. when we're doing like clean beers, uh, you you want uh, freshly emptied barrels because if you got a barrel that were emptied like three months ago, four months ago, the spirits would just like the 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 the, the spirit into it would would just you know evaporate and you won't you won't get much flavor. So mm. it's this is fresh. why you want the huh. most freshly emptied barrel possible. And you, you like it when there's a there's a little bit of like bourbon. At the uh, at the bottom of the the barrel when you, you receive it, uh, so this is a good sign. Hmm. Interesting. So, is there a different approach to blending for different styles, like the wild versus the clean? Like, is there a different approach at all, or is basically the same thing? Like, if you're making this shift or like the which is like you said, like a how would you describe this? What what would you call this? Just a wild ale, farmhouse ale? Uh, this one is more the lambic like we did. Lambic, okay. Uh, uh, this one got like uh, I think it's forty percent of uh, a blend we did with. Um, so okay, sometimes we drag yeast from the bottle we we, we are drinking, and this one is a blend of uh, Trifantinen and uh, Boone. Uh, those two. Uh, are two Belgian. Uh, That's cool. Uh, no producer, and it got like twenty percent of our own culture of like commercial yeast that we used to work with time. But it's like uh, a blend we, we did like a couple of years ago. Uh, so we just bought like Pedocacus, uh, like the best loose, and then Bay and then uh, yeast from uh, from this uh, this yeast producer and put them together and we end up with uh, our own blend hmm. and that that, uh, that you show us uh, is like 40% of like uh, drag bone culture uh, and 40% of Trifontenen uh, drag culture and 20% of our own culture but hmm. it took like two years and a half before a big bottle and then they Set uh, you know it sat there for like six months, and we end up selling it after three years. So this is more like a complex. Uh, earlier we talked about grisette that take like uh, maybe three months into barrels, uh, but this is a whole different project because yeah. uh, it took time and a lot of attention and a lot of patience. So it's hmm. more the I'm, I'm I'm really proud of this one because this is the more lambic, uh, lambic like uh, that we did. Even if it's not spontaneous, we try some spontaneous beer, but this one is not sp spontaneous at all. But it's the more like Belgian lambic like beer that we produce. Very cool, man. So there is like awesome. I, it sounds like there's a slightly different approach, maybe then to the different sides like you don't just pull yeah. 
15 barrels and 15 like it's probably a little it almost seems like it's like with the cleaner stuff it can maybe go either way but with maybe the wild stuff there's a little more intention behind it because you can't just throw yeah let's just fucking put all this like if you're trying to make this lambic style thing it's a very intentional product versus the the clemence which is the grisette it's a it's like it's almost like the style would dictate because you can only combine beers that are grisettes i guess to make a grisette and and then so it's probably slightly different i think it also probably has a lot to do with the brewery and like your situation right like so you know like like goose island probably has just like thousands rows and fucking rows and like they probably have this very like 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 systematic thing because they've been doing it for so long and now they have money behind it but you know like i feel like what me and max did was a bit more just agile right like this is what we have let's see what we can do you know but if yeah, you look at like uh, lamb size minors guys like what's that I said size matter, guys. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not how you use it. Really, it's really small, so we, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. And if, if we, uh, we are compared to Goose Island, you yeah. know, it's just a little react. We're just half, uh, you know, off the competition. I mean, they, they've got, I mean, a whole level of barrels and program. But th- this is a good point because we do. You know, we do with the space we got. So uh, mm-hmm. this is why for us, it's like a, a challenge to do the beer twice uh, mm. sometime. Because I often see uh, the, the, the beer that we produce as a flavor project. So it's not like uh, I want to do it like twice or uh, three times a year because this is a whole different level of, of challenge. We, we try to do... Uh, calculon a uh, second time uh, I mean last year or this year and the, the, the flavors were not there so we just change up you know the the, 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 the barrels they were good but they were not like uh, like the, 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 the in, in the in the vibe of the calculon uh, the first batch mm-hmm. so we just redefine what what we the, we had to do with the barrels and this is <coughs> This is a you know a good a good example of uh, doing the, the same beer twice in blending. Uh, it's it's really difficult when you, you don't have that much barrels, and when when you especially especially when you blend, uh, I think wild wild beers uh, because you know that this beer will. Uh, will evolve through time, through the, the bottling process, because you, you just don't put like uh, carbon dioxide into the into the beer and then it, it ends up being ready like the day after. You you put sugar you, uh, into the beer and you, you let it ride for like six months and then you put a label on it and then you, you set it on the market. But when you blend sour beers, uh, it's I think it's more difficult because... Uh, you have to. Um, you are at a point into the process, and you are doing the blend, and after that, the beer will work, uh, will continue to work into the bottle, and then after that, people will, will you know, 
will buy it and, and will consume it. So you you are like six months earlier before the beer is ready. So this is the, the biggest challenge because you try to know um, which type of flavor, which type of uh, acidity, which type of you know, uh, uh, body you will get from the, the fermentation because it's kind of uh, you you have active yeast and active bacteria and you just put some nutrients into it and you, you know that even if the blend you're doing right now you get the body you get you know the the, the the flavors but not that much of the funk but you know that in bottles it will get the funk and a bit more of acidity so you have to work uh, you know um, before before the beer is ready, so mm. you mentioned. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought it back up. Like recreating the same beer. So like like you said about Calculon, it sort of it might not have necessarily worked out. But like, is it technically possible to re to have like a brand of um, of uh, a barrel aged beer that you do regularly? Uh, that you can continually recreate. Well, not even just barrel aged, particularly blended beer. I guess is what we're talking about here. Um, yeah, is it possible? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, and uh, we we did it with with Clemence, which is more fresh. But I think that the second batch is pretty much like the, the first one. Maybe a little bit more fruity, but it's really like a. a if we, we we could compare the two like fresh I think those are really similar really similar and we, we did rebrew some some of the beer we blend before but uh, right now you know those beer are in bottles and you know I can I can say right now because they, they've just been put into bottles and uh, in like four to six months I will be able to, to tell you that I'm really proud of the second blend that we did, but it's it's definitely something that we can do because if you think about the gueuserie like uh, Tilcain, which is uh, which you taste the the Tilcain and Gueuse blend uh, the mid size uh, or the two, 2021, you know, it will be really similar, and they are practically based on blending stock, so mm. they just build up their stock to blend something that is similar year after year and then they create some other stuff on the side but they are able to you know to blend something that is similar year after year so yeah it's possible uh, but you have to get like uh, if you like i said before like uh, if you got an empty free, uh, fridge like uh, you can do whatever you want but if you you just went to the grocery store i mean it's it's really easy to do like whatever the recipe you want to do for the supper. It's like mm. the same thing, but with barrels. I get it, man. And I guess that's why a lot of uh, breweries will have that year. Like here's our 2022 blend. Here's our 2021 blend uh, of different things. So then it can be like, this is what we did this year to try and recreate it. And it might not be exactly the same, but it's like you said, from the same stock, it's from the same batch of barrels. We've done our best to recreate it. And that's sort of, all you can really do and maybe the beauty of it all is that it's imperfect it's not exactly, exactly. The same. and it keeps this it is interesting beer, man this is yeah. why we, we like it man it's, yeah. beer. I mean, it's not like, like if 
Yeah, and it's yeah. not like Budweiser. Like we, we don't, you know, we don't dilute. We don't have like four uh, different think- fermenters of the same beer. Try to to make the, the same one, but like craft beer is mostly mostly that. I mean, it's it's a flavor project, and we try to do the same thing, you know, every yeah, time. Yeah. But it, it ends up different a little bit, and it's it's cool like that. I remember Sean from Small Pony talking about um, like the the, the first four beers that they released. One of them was this beer that the barrel gave off such an orange flavor Mm -hmm. that they just dry hopped it with like mosaic or something to like punch up that oranginess and he was never able to like reproduce that beer because like that one barrel just had this weird orange thing. amazing orange thing. Was that on the pod? But I think he talked about it a bit on the pod, yeah. Okay. Um I don't think we, we didn't drink it on the pod, but uh, no, no, no. but he no. talked about it, I think. And but so like I would imagine you have these like kind of one-off situations, but mm. then on the other hand I assume that breweries just kind of like, if they've done the same beer and blend or whatever a couple of times, then they've probably gotten a little bit better at being more systematic with it. Like Dunham has done like uh, Saison Reserve and like Assemblage Numéro 1 at least like 20 times. And those are weird blends of like a saison in a particular barrel with wild yeast blended with like one of their IPAs or what, like they're, they're all different, but that beer always kind of manages to be the same, even though it's a combination of blending and barrel aging. And I think they do a good job with it. Mm. And then of course, like Rodenbach and all those, like those are all blends, right? And like, I mean, that it, they definitely turn that into a system. Yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Uh, you know, Rodenbach's been around. I, we had them on the podcast, funnily enough, and they were, you know, 200 year old brewery or something like that. So, you know, it seems like there is a way to do it. And I like coming back to what you said about, say, Small Pony. I imagine, Max, you probably have had that too, where you've had this one barrel and this one year of something that's just like, what the fuck? It's a completely unique. In comparison to other years, and I feel like, like you said, it's craft beer, so that the mm-hmm. the consumers are well aware of that, and aren't, you know, they they're happy that this hey this 2022 version of this beer is pretty fun, it's pretty unique, and maybe next year is going to be completely different, even though you, like you're trying to be systematic, you're trying to use the same stuff. Um, somewhat kind of like wine. It depends on the harvest. Like, you know, you, you do each year the same wine. Wineries make the same wine, but just with exactly. grapes that had different uh, physical conditions. And it's probably not too dissimilar. I, I think a lot of wines don't have blends. If it's a Pinot or a Cab Franc or a Cab Sauv, whatever it might be, it's a straight up and down because it requires the grapes. But with beer... It's, it's, you know, there's a blend. There are some wines that I guess that have blends, but I guess those, you know, that particular combination of those barrels that happen to respond in that way 
on what make this thing fun because there's an there's a beauty in the consistency in a McDonald's kind of way where if you can pump out the same beer time after time uh, and you know what it's going to taste like, that's pretty cool. But at the same token, this is the Wild West, pun intended. Like this type of shit, this shift door, the next time you do it, it might be completely different to to, to the last time. And that's fucking cool because I can – like I did my first ever vertical with Noah on the podcast in 2017, and you brought over the um, what was it called, bro? The um, the Dutch exactly from Judas CL. We did like four of them, and you said, "Oh, I could have done more, but you know, you had to drive, so you were like, right, I can't do too many more." But like, it was cool to me to understand that like this is this beer each year, and it's different. Every one of them was different. And that's pretty, like, that's just the dope thing that we have in craft beer, whether it's a, a clean, straight up and down beer or something fun like what BG is doing with these, you know, really dope, complex, thoughtful um, barrel aged beers, you know, whether wild or clean. It's, it's like a, it's probably one of the things that make beer the most interesting beverage. Hey, if you are taking like a Ovalian example, you know, with uh, framboise or. Uh Mm. Like every every year they're doing like what one batch of that type of beer and this is the edition of the year and so it's really fun to compare uh, between years. Uh, even you know if the, the, the older version, you know, sometimes they, they, they get less fruity uh, fruity aromas, but it, it's really fun to compare every year the difference between the last year. And on the on the less uh, sexy side, I mean, uh, like the bigger breweries, they 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 still are, they are blending like their basic beers too, and uh, like even Barreal, you know, the the famous Barreal Hus is is blended. Like I mean, they they got like full fermenters really? of uh, Barreal and they are like blending it for for like uh, because it, it must taste. It has to taste the same. The same so, right? and we, we are working with with grain, uh, with different type of grain and the different low uh, lots of, of grain. So it, it have you know every brew have have its specific difference. I could say. So if you brew four times in a row, you know you you will be more able. To uh to have the same exact beer at the end, but if you brew it like once, this is like the beer you got. You 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 get less control if you brew it like once, or you brew it like four times in a row to to brew like a full fermenter, and even after that, if you get like two fermenters of which contains like eight brews, you can. Brew, you can bottle like the full one with the half of this one, and then the beer will end up being like the almost exact same beer as mm. it was commercialized like 20 years ago. Mm. So, so, the more you brew, the more you have like uh, the power of being consistent, I think. Hmm. That's uh, that's wise words, Maxwell. Wise words, my so this, think, this is yeah. blending. This is blending too, but on the uh, on a different scale, and uh, maybe on a less uh, less crafty side, 
of the beer, but mm. this is something that is happening. I think I have a little one awake, so I might need to drop. No, you're good. Look, I was about to wrap it up anyway. Uh, I feel like we've uh, we hit the time limit we wanted to, and I feel like we really sort of captured um, what we wanted to do. Noah, if you do have to run, let's just take the screenshot real quick, and then if you want to dip out, you can yeah, sure. Um, so let me hold these bad boys up. This is great, guys. This is really cool. This is exactly what uh, I wanted yeah. to get out of this. Was just to really get get nerdy, you know, get deep and get nerdy. I, I miss you, Max. I want to come visit you. What about me, Noah? Fuck you. Ready? I'm actually thinking. Oh, anyway. Hey, wait, try. Hey. Gorgeous. Um. I actually had an idea of coming to see you in the next couple of months, but I'll talk to you about it. Okay. Well, yeah, I, you're around. I'm around. I'm not going anywhere. Um. You're both uh, legends. Love you both, guys. Thank you so much for this. This is really great. I feel like this was like a, a really interesting um, pod. And, um, you know, I feel like I hope that people got a bit more of a, a, an insight into the world of blending and sort of, you know, how complex it can be and how interesting, you know, these beers. And when you're drinking these beers and when you see the price tag on some of these beers, that's why. They've been sitting there. They've been painstakingly... Yeah. Uh, blended and, and put together and it might be a combination that you never get again and that's why it's special and you know that's what kind of makes this whole thing very interesting so thank you both for taking the time to do this and um, I love it I definitely want to see a blendism part two um, I would love that uh, Noah where can everyone find you online my friend um, beerism.ca on Instagram the website and uh, on Facebook as well Love it. You're and a champion. in my apartment. And in Noah's apartment and on Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, and Grinder. And uh, Max, where can everyone find BG? Yeah, thanks for, uh, for the invite. It's always a pleasure, guys. And see you uh, see you again. Where can they find Quebec you? Or yes. wherever you are. Yes, and come to Quebec City. find us on Instagram or on Facebook, BG Brasseurben. Wow. Uh, or or I love. I miss the Wasserstein. I'm not gonna lie. I miss that a lot. Um, bring it Octo- back. I'm bringing it on back. I'm representing it here in Ontario. Uh, Max, October twenty second. Twenty second. Yeah, on Saturday night. Uh, the, the full day. Uh, we had a special release, and it's our ninth uh, ninth anniversary. So you know, really people can. Have to came to come with like the, their kids during the day, and there's a show during the night, and 16 beers on draft, and a special release, and you know this will be the big the the big party in Quebec. So check down October 22, October 22nd, guys. Make sure you get down Quebec City, uh, the Charlesburg Brewery, specifically. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Perfect. Um, guys, stick stick around at the end. We'll just quickly say goodbye. I know you got a jet, Noah, but, uh, guys, thank you both so much for uh, hanging out tonight. Guys, if you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell. So, you know, when the new drops, follow us everywhere at BAOS podcast, share the long form audio. You can hear attractive gentlemen like Max and Noah talking about craft beer. Hit those five stars on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Um, Guys, we'll see you in the next episode.
Peace.